Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and you can also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. We're also available on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow there as well. Now on today's episode, we are excited to welcome Tim Newfeld. Now you might know him as a member of early 2000s Christian rock band Starfield, or more recently as the lead singer of country bluegrass outfit, Tim and the Glory Boys. Now, Tim was basically born into music. His great-grandfather, his grandfather, his father, they all played music. And Tim was really engrossed in that from a young age and really has been chasing the dream ever since. We had a great time talking about his journey, the ups, the downs, and the go-arounds. So please enjoy our conversation with Tim Newfeld. your family was very musical. Your great grandpa basically had a banjo in his hand in every picture that he was in. Your grandpa had a mandolin and your dad was on the harmonica and the guitar. And I've heard you talk about that, but I wanna learn a bit more about them and how they helped influence your love of music off the beginning. What sort of memories do you have from those early days of your family playing music and, and when you first started to feel the inspiration of that within yourself. Yeah, it was from as, as young as I can, I can remember those bluegrass kind of uh, family band environments that you just described happened when we would, uh, I, I grew up in, in, uh, I was born in, in Winnipeg and shortly thereafter moved to Edmonton so my first decade of life was as a Edmontonian oh, okay. we were just as a family around Christmas or, or Easter the times that we would get together back in Winnipeg have uh, that that form of the band together um and uh it was as natural as as it, it could possibly be it's the it's the child trying to make the strings work and you know like my dad would chord them and I would strum them and feel like a rock star and so that was the earliest and then it was all about uh, church music, uh, being in the back of the adult Sunday school class while my parents led 70s choruses and hymns and, and worship songs. And uh, if anybody wants to challenge me to like a, a 70s worship hymn chorus song <laughs> off, I know all the lyrics better than you <laughs> and the chords. But they were simple awesome. songs and it was at a time when when hymns were kind of transitioning into, into more contemporary pop sounding songs. So instead of the hymn, it was like the three and a half minute uh, song that wasn't about your girlfriend. It was about Jesus. It was a totally new thing at the time. So it was an exciting thing to be a part of, but I thought it was the only thing. So for the first 15 years of my life, there wasn't any other music influence. Oh, wow. And that's with the exception of Johnny Cash and um, maybe Anne Murray, but very limited and very limited access to the radio or any of the popular music. Not that music was amazing. Uh, in the 80s it was it was like the glam rock hair metal day so yeah exactly I, I didn't even understand what like a what a distortion pedal was I couldn't understand how these dudes would get these sounds coming from their guitars because my guitar that I played my dad's Martin was 
it just sounded so different. So that that's the origins. And, and out of that was just sort of learning that there's other influences, other kinds of music, other genres, and those slowly crept in. But it was all church music all the time, even into our first record deal with my brother in, in Nashville with Starfield and, and um, EMI. And it's only until the last few years that I've even explored different songwriting, like with 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 country music being really not necessarily religious, not exclusively irreligious either. There's there's lots of overtones, and Bloodlines is one of those songs that kind yeah. of delves into that, delves back into that. But but even even writing a song or performing a song with the word girl or baby or ain't in it is uh is is still a, a bit of a a mind trip and it's it's been really fun to to explore but i i am absolutely a late bloomer right and so when did you and your brother start to play together and start to get that itch of music being a career we're, we're five and a half years apart my brother and i so uh it was for me it was just out of high school and for him it was just sort of entering high school it was trying to emulate a lot of the bands that had kind of made it in Christian music, a particular band called Delirious that was um, basically a U2 ripoff. Right. Uh, everything, everything in Christian music channels back to U2 somehow. Um, and we all just tried to rewrite Where the Streets Have No Name over and over again. <laughs> right. To get that epic thing. I think they're still doing it. But uh, that, that was it. Yeah, high school for him and, and just out of it. And this is our first album release party was in 99. So I can... I can honestly say I was in a 90s rock band for <laughs> it was in October for three months. And then uh, and then out of that, it was it was growing up, learning how to be in the music industry. And we signed, you know what, we we signed five years into being a band. So we signed in, in 2004 with EMI and right. um, and John was still a, a teenager at the time. And I was um, in my 20s and. And yeah, that's that's the origin of of us working together. Right. And now I saw on an Instagram clip you had you were it was some rapid fire questions with band members. And one of the ones that you had, I think it was like, what would you tell a younger you or something like that? And you mentioned that you would tell yourself to go get a business degree. And so when you look back on it, those days out of high school and jumping into a band, when you look on it now, what do you think? Are you happy with the way it went? I think I've taken it about as slow as anybody can take a music career. So I, I don't have regrets about the pace of it. I think it's the reason I'm still in it right now, honestly, is, is just that it always has seemed like a long-term endeavor. Uh, I still think I, I should have got a business degree over what I did try to get, which is like a theology degree at a Bible college. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, I mean it, and it. I'm glad I did, and I, I, uh, I guess I know a lot about the Bible, but I am. Uh, everything I've learned, it's sort of literally had to be on the street, and well, the street, the road, uh, on tour, not like the rough streets of, of Winnipeg. <laughs> right. Yeah. It has been a a business degree in its own right, and I think anybody that is in a band that has some form of uh, independence before they sign, or like, really, for for me. There was the independent stage, there was the dependent stage, and then there was the post-dependent stage, and now it's back to being dependent. <laughs> so it's a really strange journey. But in all of that, I mean, you learn all you need to learn if you're if you're paying attention about any kind of business ever. I mean, you're in hospitality, you're in transportation, 
you're in entertainment and show business, you have to know about uh, retail. I mean, you're, you're hawking t-shirts. I mean, we, we joke that we're glorified t-shirt salesmen most of the time. You're right. working with um, consulting with different sponsors and you're a model. And if, if you let it, it can be a, an absolute schooling in, in how to run a, a business and almost any business. That's how I've tried to approach it with, with Starfield and certainly with what we're doing now to, to just immerse myself in the process, be, be dangerous at everything that's getting harder and harder with tech, but right, yeah. it's, it's served me well, but it also has uh, in limitations when, when things start to scale up fast. <laughs> and so finding partners that you can trust and, and, um, and give away, especially artistic direction to in, in little ways here and there. Right. Yeah. It's been a little more difficult because of my fierce sort of like independent spirit that I share with Colin, who's my business partner in this. And, and certainly the other glory boys when they're involved, that's one of the biggest challenges of it growing the way that it did, but it certainly would have all benefited from a little more education on the front end, but maybe I wouldn't be here in this, in the same way. And I, I don't have any regrets either way. Right. And that artistic direction, the last two videos, I believe have been with Sony for bloodlines and for me without you. And I mean, these videos, I mean, you could, you, you just yeah, got to stop heavy. with this, with this heaviness. Oh man. Can't yeah, get through will. without some tears. <laughs> but as far as those go, me without you, you filmed that at the Walker theater in Winnipeg. And I heard you talk about the importance of that theater for you growing up. It was sort of the pride of, of, of Winnipeg. I guess it still is. It was called the Walker theater back when, when we would go to it and it was a, a movie theater at first, but it, it got all of the B acts, like almost everybody. And, and back to its, its beginnings, a lot of the classic iconic sort of artists like Charlie Chaplin played there and the guess who and Burton Cummings, who has a, a real connection to Winnipeg. Yeah. Was a, one of the earliest that was performing there. When I, my experience with the Walker was a, different one too it was it was through the church there was an, an event called hear the music that my buddy john buller uh put on a monthly sort of all the churches coming together in this cool theater and 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 do music uh thing and he invited us on stage several times and it was my first time being on a stage that wasn't in a church first time kind of feeling the energy of like a green room that had sharpie walls bands that had signed that i'd heard of that i knew of that i loved and then certainly the the Christian bands that I was allowed to see that would go there. It just felt like the coolest, coolest thing outside of, out of the church that we'd ever seen. One of those was a band called DC talk, which yep. uh, revolutionized my idea of music. Uh, it came out at the rock, rock rap kind of stage. It was like a, I'm Toby, Toby Mac is another artist that's still doing really well in Christian music. But yeah, uh, at that point in time, it was like nothing I'd ever seen. It was so exciting it wasn't anything churchy like I had grown up with. And I, I just, I still find myself referencing some of the ways in which uh, they did production and, and um, really took seriously all of the showbiz aspects of, of what a, a live band can be. And, and yeah, and it was so much of it was at that iconic theater that we ended up shooting the music video at. So that was a, a really meaningful full circle uh, for me to, to be shooting a bonafide video that was you know like with a major label and country music 
and it, it wasn't lost on me. It was it was such a, a fun time. And it was in the middle of just the, I think Winnipeg locked down hard for a, a, about a month after that. We were there at a window where we could kind of still do it right. during COVID. And um, it was the first time seeing the guys. It was just, it was, it was very monumental for me personally. And the music video that came out of it is, is, is a, like you said, a tearjerker, but it, it deals with real, real life stuff. Like, which I, I tend to ebb and flow in and out of my need to sing and perform and, um, and make art that can preach, that can provide healing for people. And I don't mean in a religious way, just we can jump around like idiots on stage. And we do that most of the time. Uh, our, our bluegrass parties, we call them, this tour that we're on is called the, the Hometown Hoedown. And um, we, we enjoy being that band, but I also enjoy and feel the need to have a multi-dimensional kind of a, of a, a not an appeal, but like um, of a voice to, to speak to pain that people go through. Um, so much of, of the church focuses on that. And I, maybe, maybe it focuses on it to the exclusion of some of the other side of life, the enjoying company and friends and just the party thing that we try to do. But it's still, as I've moved out of Christian music exclusively into this new genre, it still feels like a, a very human thing that we all appreciate being reminded of and, and being um, moved in. And sometimes it's, you know, the four minute music video that really does provide the healing for people that are suffering from grief, like this latest Bloodlines video from the loss of a loved one, especially now as we've lost so many loved ones. Yeah. And, uh, and there's not a whole lot of, uh, of, of content that I see on the internet that's, that's dealing with it. So it's, it's heavy. It is heavy, but it is, it is, it feels necessary. So we're, we're excited to have it out there and to see it getting viewed so many times and, Certainly the same goes for me without you, but we're ready to make something just absolutely dumb and silly and, <laughs> and party mode now, like it is time. So we're, we're, we have all kinds of uh, exciting things planned. I'm really excited for people to kind of be able to see that side of us again as well. That's awesome. And you always have been a fun band ever since Tim and the Glory Boys hooked up and started yeah. this journey. But Back in the Starfield days, when you're just coming out of the church and you're young, was there a line that you were trying to toe in being a part of the church, but also creating more mainstream music that maybe the church frowned upon in some way? Yeah, I mean, it was it was at that point that I think the church was the tide was turning for the church, too. So we weren't we weren't really pushing any buttons with what we were coming out with. Right. And we had some examples of bands there was a band called hocus pick maneuver that was a canadian band that started making albums in the mid 90s that was a huge influence and they were just silly and dumb and and that was the filter the first time that i'd seen that happening in 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 church music oh okay. and then bands with a sense of humor have always have always resonated like the very naked ladies are, are a great example of another canadian band that has the, those sensibilities and and with tick talk now i mean it it is it is uh i think the the humor side of things is is a, a way for or it's something that a lot of entertainers and artists are are tapping into because it is just such a it's a part of the the spectrum of emotion that that we as humans deal in every every day and and it 
when it can be translated to the stage, it's it's just it's wonderful. I I I am entertained by comedians uh, almost more than than musical artists, and I feel like they're the they're the smartest people right now, able to talk about the most important things. And I, I love the way that humor uh, allows that. And and we try to incorporate it into the show in subtle and not so subtle ways. And it's um, it's always been a tool kind of in, in the box that that really did develop in the church at a time when I think to answer your question, there there was permission. Right. Like we didn't, I've never, I've never ruffled feathers. It's just, and and I I'm I'm proud of that in that I I feel like it's it's about it's always about communication and it's it's about giving people what they want as long as it's from a pure place. But it it always has been from a pure place. And my journey has always sort of been like one foot in the church, one foot out, mm-hmm. one foot like being convinced of all of all of the things that the church and Christianity stands for, and and always sort of, you know, on a given day doubting all of it. And um, and I'm still there, and we still, we still are playing in churches, and I I love it. I love being able to to do both, and I and having the blessing of, of of both sides to kind of still have a foot in both places. I think it's about I think it's about respecting where people are coming from and just just not not judging them for for who they are or or where their journey has them cuz god knows I I'm a completely different person than I was half my life ago and and that especially in the last couple of years just people are so so confused and and trying to find anything to sink their teeth into a foundation. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's going to be found in those that have kind of remained consistent and, and not judge them where they feel safe to be themselves. And that's, that's what we try to make our shows about just a safe place to come and be you and hopefully leave smiling, being entertained. (laughs) And now towing that line between bluegrass country and contemporary Christian. Now, with the formation of Tim and, and the Glory Boys, you released The Joy in 2014, which was your first album as a group, I believe, and then Hoot mm-hmm. Nanny in 2016, and then The Buffalo Road Show in 2018. Now, along that journey, was there a time where you ever felt you had moved more into the bluegrass country realm or have you always felt like you've had sort of one foot in each genre no matter which album it is or or what part of the journey this has been um it's it's a great question the thing about christian music is it's the weirdest genre uh, of them all in that it it seems like the only genre that's defined not by the music but by the lyrical content oh okay there's every kind of music in christian music certainly like pop Christian pop radio is very pop. It's always sort of been that, um, but everything else is all kind of jammed into one one genre. As an example, I, with Starfield, we were nominated for the I, I call it the Jesus Juno. It's like the one it's the one Juno that they give a, a Christian artist right of any genre, but we all get lumped in together. So I've been up against like a metal band. I've been up. We've been up against rap artists in the same for the same Juno the mass right. choir we lost to a mass choir Toronto mass choir one year <laughs> it, it was just sort of like a man I don't even know how you define Christian music but the under uh Henning has always for me been in the acoustic instruments that I grew up playing and so it's it's been that journey but 
to answer your question specifically, I think for me, there was a, there was an absolute switch when I realized that I had, uh, I have a baritone voice. Like I, I can, I can sing loud and low and it's, it's a, it's a full sounding voice, but in Christian music, especially in Christian pop, it was just never a tool that I was, that I had to call upon. In fact, it, if you, if you want to make it in Christian music, you really have to figure out that sexy Christian voice. Like it's a very airy, like tenor for, for dudes and women kind of have this more soulful thing, but it is a, it's not like something you have to sign off on, but it's, it's really beneficial to have. So it was, it was in exploring country music and really the bluegrass transition into, into this. The reason we wanted to not do the pop, kind of shiny christian thing that was starfield when colin and i colin by the way was also in starfield for the the last three years of 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 the band right and so we we were on the journey together but as we were exiting that genre and trying to figure out what to do next and and essentially reinvent ourselves not that we sat down and it was all a master plan but (laughs) it, it we just kept coming back to the the permission that bluegrass music had in it to be for lack of a better word, silly, just to be um, a little bit off of, of center and, and how that could help us uh, communicate in a, in a different way and find new audience and, and skew older and younger because it, it was more of a family feeling thing. And that's what we were all about at the time as we were starting our young families. Right. And, um, and somewhere in there, about halfway through, I, I think it wasn't on the joy as much as it was whatever it was next. Joy Who to... Nanny? Who nanny? Where I uh, I started to just sort of delve into that lower register of of my voice and 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 I was shocked at people being shocked by it and 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 loving it and being like why don't you why don't you sing like that? That's your voice. I I didn't realize that I I I really didn't. It never occurred to me that I I wasn't singing in my uh, I guess. Uh, the fullness of, of what my voice um, was or could be. Right. It was always sort of trying to uh, sound like Bono or Chris Martin or whatever. And, and that for me, I, I think I just realized that I naturally have this, this gift for this genre and certainly country music in the same way. And that's been such a cool um, self-discovery thing that has allowed me to really feel more and more confident in this genre as these songs come out and people dig them and and specifically make comments on my voice it's 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 amazing to uh, take this long to figure it out but it feels like uh, i'm gonna have a lot of fun in continuing to explore it and making songs writing songs that kind of incorporate that lower register for years to come right and now you mentioned bono you mentioned you two earlier so i do yeah. have to ask in 2015 you saw you two at msg and you were uh-huh. basically sitting on their laps like you were right up front tell me about that experience what that meant for you as an artist yeah you went deep diving into my instagram posts <laughs> i did um yeah it was it was fantastic it wasn't the first time i'd seen them but a buddy and i have have now seen the last three tours oh wow the first was we saw them at Soldier Field in Chicago on the Vertigo tour. And uh, that was Vertigo tour. No, it was the 360 one with the claw. I think the 360. Oh, okay. it was uh, 
it was it was mind blowing and it was the first time and it was just it was so special msg shows were were us just trying to do the ultimate u2 road trip and we thought we had done it and it was amazing and we got to see who was with him lady gaga was with them on that one of those shows but it was like a seven or eight night stand at msg so just to i've never oh, okay. been to madison square gardens just to be there to be right up front to experience this band that had shaped so much of uh of me they were one of the only secular bands that i could listen to growing up so um it, it it's i can't o- overstate how much of a of an influence bono and his music has had on me also as as a, as a man of faith that kind of incorporates it into his music it just it's really been kind of my true north he has anyways for for my whole career but uh, we thought we had seen them in, in the ultimate uh, place and 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 then they came out with this Joshua Tree tour and and we realized that we could go to Dublin and see them so we did that <laughs> that was the next time and it was it was amazing at Croke Park and and uh and so that's that's been an absolute thread of continuity through my musical career is just seeing the the YouTube thing develop and evolve and and clearly I'm uh, I'm right on the doorstep of the same kind of career <laughs> with uh with how things are going so I'm excited for Bono come to my uh Madison Square Garden show and meet me backstage and tell me how he's been secretly watching me <laughs> and been influenced and how would be nothing without me i'm just kidding but i mean you did mention delirious it is right that was sort of the delirious. you mentioned the christian form of you too yeah absolutely and you did tour with them did you not back in the day with starfield you did a few shows overseas with them we did yeah we uh we did uh a show with them in um in the philippines we did one in scotland at a a festival there they probably i guarantee they don't remember us being there but it was all about us being there with them our first time opening for them was in atlanta we were at a youth conference and and i just wanted to be so cool in the green room and i i screwed it up i just i was so awkward and weird (laughs) what did you do i don't know i just something about i made they were talking about radio singles and i I made a crack about the, the the record label thinking that they would be like, oh yeah, we and our guys. Am I right? It was one of those two. I don't even know what. <laughs> right. It was just dumb. It was just trying to connect. But the, the coolest time, again, that they will not remember was uh, Times Square. We played, we opened for them at the Nokia Theater at Times Square. We had so many amazing opportunities to play around the world with bands that we loved. And it does seem like the distant past, but is it, even as I'm talking about it, it's, uh, yeah, we, we got to do that. And it was those moments where you just pinch yourself and, and on the shuttle ride there, you're just like, can you believe what we're about to do? And then as you're in the bar, you're like taking down a Guinness after the show, like, can you believe we just, we just did that. We just played a show at a theater in Times Square for our, our, our favorite band. And it was amazing. It's still amazing. We're, we're getting these opportunities now again, mm-hmm. 15 years later, and it's, it's blowing my mind. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you mentioned the Junos and being nominated for Junos. But then in 2021, so last year, you were nominated for a CCMA. And so I was going to ask you about mm. that. And as you move into this country genre, what does that mean 
to be able to be nominated for a CCMA and attend the CCMAs and sort of be welcomed into that group of Canadian artists? How big is that for you as an artist? Yeah, it's, it's massive. I, I, I don't, something I've always said is like, I wish I had, I had uh, dreamed bigger, like through my whole career, just my capacity to dream is always just kind of come up against my insecurities or my age or, or just, you know, what I perceive as my talent or lack thereof. Right. And so I, I'm legitimately surprised that like as much as anybody else, uh, when, when these things present themselves, even this, this career in country music, and certainly, yeah, the CCMAs, it, it just feels like a, a more and more real kind of a, an event to hopefully even finally prove to myself that I, I'm worthy of it. Like I, that it right, is, yeah. you know, like I've won two Junos. I, I have a record deal with, with a, a major label and I, um, I have these hit singles and it's still, I'd suffer so, so hard from imposter syndrome. So those moments, I, I really try to, to soak them in. We had a, we had a performance at the CCMAs. We played me without you acoustic with the fiddle and the, and the bass bowing and, and the dobro it was, it was beautiful. It was like nothing else that had happened in the night. There was amazing performances, but it was the last one and everybody was appropriately drunk to, to be moved <laughs> um, by it. And we got this sort of like this amazing response and, and legends in the industry, artists and, and industry folks just gushing. And I, I could hardly hold it together i just i just it was it was one of those just i i'm speechless and i i can't believe they're talking to me about it so it, it's 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 absolutely overwhelming and at the same time it is it's just so appreciated like it it doesn't go to my head and that i feel like i've made it and now i can do no wrong it it just feels like you know being accepted into a family that i i didn't know i had and and they're so gracious to to be so kind about about us and what we're doing and, and our connection with people. And, and it's just, it's special. Yeah. It's, it's taken to heart. I've been around the industry um, long enough to realize that these chances are so far and few between for any artists ever, Never mind one that's kind of been doing it as long as I have and had so many chances at it. So that's the long answer of it's so special. I hope I hope there's more of those moments and I'm I'm sure there will be, but they'll be special too. And I, I can't wait. When it comes to that imposter syndrome, when you look at that, is there a balance there of accepting what you have and being able to be present and enjoy it? But like you say, not going so far that you get a bit of an ego on you and that you expect it. Yeah. The, you know what? For me, it's I I don't have ego about it. Like I have to, I have to nurture my ego if that makes sense yeah i really have to push myself to to have the confidence and to care enough about the accolade and the you know what i've done and what and and what i've established it's i i always defer to and maybe that's part of growing up in the church honestly because it's it really is about letting your ego go it's it's always about pointing up and being like i want to thank god which i i realize is sort of almost a trope now it's like a it's an award show meme, you know, like, <laughs> right, I want to thank yeah. God. No, really Christian music. I want to thank God, but it, it's a separation of ego and, and, and it, I guess, but it's, it's, I'm never, I'm never going to be one to struggle with that. I don't think 
I think I think the the imposter syndrome or maybe it's humility or maybe it's false humility I don't know but uh I just I'm very aware that my shit stinks and I I don't have um aspirations to 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 be adored and put on pedestals I I I love the connection with with the people that I get to have it with um you know in the band I love that part of it I love being able to work with people at, at the label and the industry and having these new partners that are just amazing people being in their lives. And then I love the connection I get on stage with people. But beyond that, like, I don't need to be singing. I don't, I'm happier in the, in the woodwork, like disappearing after shows and, and not having, you know, the need to go out and have people notice me or, or to be famous, 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 maybe lost on me. And I, and that makes it hard to also like be a, a, a presence on things like TikTok and Instagram. It's it's right. it's a struggle to to be like, hey, look what I have or look what I've done. But I I feel like it's a it's it's a good place. And and that's something that age has allowed me and the experience in this industry to to not have to really deal with. If but if anything, it's to it's if it's a detriment, it's it's to my own detriment. And it's like <laughs> right. you need to you need to push, you need to get yourself out there, you need to hustle. And I have people in my life that help me do that. But if it's left to me, I'd, I'd probably just hang out behind me on this couch and tinker on my guitar and write songs and go on tour once in a while, but otherwise stay out of the limelight. Right. And now you mentioned just sitting on your couch and hanging out. I have to ask you, just because I'm very interested, um, I mentioned the sort of get to know you post on Instagram that I saw a while back, and you mentioned your most prized possession was a hot tub that you had bought and I, it, it was in the 2010 sometimes I think and you mentioned that was a big place to go and write and relax and do your thing and I was wondering if you still have that if it's sort of still a refuge for you yeah I, I do but I we moved and I have a new hot tub that uh is still that we call it the hit tub because oh, okay. it, uh, it has inspired many a song but it's it's usually like uh stupid goofy songs that you would expect to come out of a, a hot tub yeah but yes I do love it this one uh, is I'm looking out beyond it because I we have a, a bit of a view here. We moved up to Ryder Lake in, in Chilliwack, which we did live in Abbotsford in suburbia. Right. For, yeah. For, I want to say 13 years. And over COVID, we decided to make the move. And when it's 15 acres, it's it's amazing. It's oh beautiful. wow! And the hot tub has the best view of all of them. So it it's it's taken on an even more important role, I think. And my mental health but it it feels like even talking about it i'm just like oh of course i need a hot tub and an acreage and an amazing view so that my mental health can be taken care of yeah nothing less uh will do for me um no it's it's an absolute gift actually and and with kids i have i have children now and entering i've basically almost three tweens but one is already a teenager and oh okay and and the hot tub is 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 such a great family tool if you can afford one and, and get it um and uh, you know go in there with a glass of wine it's like a it's good therapy and it it puts people together it's like the dinner table but for uh i guess the privileged right <laughs> and, uh, and it's like that water just brings out all of the it gets kids talking i love it it's it's awesome we have we have a great time we have speakers out there and we just my daughter and i listen to all kinds of music it's it's been it has been an absolute place of refuge for me. Yes. Most prized possession. Probably not right. anymore, but still pretty special. 
That's awesome. And you mentioned it's the hit maker um, as far as hits go and making hits. Let's talk about mm. sort of that new music that you were down in Nashville writing and recording. Now, we mentioned that Bloodlines is the first song out of this new batch of songs that mm. you've released that you were a co-writer on. And it really feels like it comes back to towing that line much more between Christian and country. It, it has much more of that Christian feel to it. And so with the new music that you are writing, does it follow that same line? Or are you also writing those fun, upbeat dance songs as well? Yeah. I mean, the story of that song, like really briefly, we, we were certain it was never going to see the light of day. Oh, okay. But it was Sony that was like, man, this is this is as much, you know, a part of your DNA as any other song. Like, let's let's put this one out. We 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 sent it to them after having being signed for a year and a half. And we, I, I think it's hilarious because it's a very Christian churchy song. And the head of a label wrote me an email as soon as we sent it. He never sent. I've, I've gotten maybe one or two emails about unrelated things ever. From oh, OK. Him. And it was just the line was just holy F boys this bloodline song is a hit. We're like, okay, what? <laughs> I thought our manager was playing a joke on us, honestly. So right. it just, and it, I mean, for lack of a better uh, way to describe it, it, it did kind of feel like a God thing. It just was like, all right, let's put this out. Let's, let's do this. Even though it's, it's, it's not like the direction necessarily that we thought we'd want to go uh, as we were with this record label, but if man, if they are stoked on it, like, yeah, we'll, we'll be stoked on it. I, I love it. And I, and it's, it's done amazing things um, south of the border for us, almost more than up, up here in Canada. And oh, okay. it's still, it's still climbing the charts. Uh, we'll see how it does, but it just to, just to have it out there to even just say to those that have been with us for the, the almost 10 years previous to us putting up country songs, say, Hey, this is, we're still these guys. Like this is still the heart of the band. Um, but to answer your question, it isn't, it isn't what's coming. I mean, we're oh, just, okay. we're, we're trying to, it isn't exclusively what's coming. We're, we're trying to figure out if we can sort of do both. We can, we can write songs for, for the, the church folks uh, that, that really, you know, like love that music and love that part of us and our history uh, where they're not having to like jump genres with us and all of a sudden love country music. Cause I wouldn't expect that of anybody, even right. though it's not that far off. But yeah, uh, what, what we're excited about doing is writing just like high octane, like not even pop country, like country pop. I, I love <laughs> I love pop songs and I love country music. And I know there's a lot of people that just um, feel like country music is, is sort of getting um, bastardized a little bit by by other genres, even even as, you know, every genre ever has 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 done it's yeah. it's still this 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 war between the new and the old and uh and as much as our live shows and so much of what we've written even in country music already has been bluegrassy i just this last trip i just got off on these um these these country pop songs these just love songs just they're still wholesome lyrics and and all of that but i if i could dream and and you know like and tap into some of those 80s artists that i wasn't allowed to love um one of which we covered in 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 december with the with the christmas song we put out wham right yeah yeah like <laughs> I, I just and it also exploring that lower register in kind of a poppy country way i i'm just having fun with it so we're, we're chasing the 
the fun and the the stuff that brings us joy and brings us life. And um, people will just have to come on the journey with us. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going back to to the more established kind of country thing that we're for all intents and purposes. Uh, Tim and the Glory Boys 2.0 is is about. That's awesome. Well, you got to do what you enjoy at this point in your career, right? Right. It's not like you want to be chasing what other people want to hear from you. You have to be having fun with this in order to have fun doing it, right? Yeah, and and we are, and and every time we've made those decisions, it's always been the ones that have paid off or have given us the most benefit mentally. And that that that's included in that is not not really giving over to like an American version of country music. It's uh, we we are we are keeping the A's and the and the out for rips in in all of the in all of the stuff that we do. I'm desperately trying not to pick up an American accent, and I uh, <laughs> even as I sing and hang out in places where lots of Canadians have. It is uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's been fun to sort of blaze a trail and it's been in the trailblazing that we've found the most success. So, yeah, there's there's no reason to not chase the things that we love that that bring us joy and life and and not expect that it continues in the same way. Do you have dates? Do you have things that fans can look forward to in the next few months that you can actually talk about at this point? I, I mean, I do. I don't remember the actual days, but there are there are. It feels like every week there's two or three new kind of like Canadian country fairs or, or festivals that are, you know, they've been raring to go for for years now. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're, I'm so excited to do that because we've we've had to have this whole music career with with hit singles and and everything else and getting to go to the industry events, but just no live gigs. Nobody has seen us live that hadn't seen us before we had the country songs on the radio. And, and so this year is, is, it's just going to feel so glorious with the exception, sorry, of the, of the tour we got to do with Tennille Towns right, in yes, December, yes, which was amazing. And, 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 you know, two or three shows in Colin and I looked at us at each other after kind of struggling through this, this um, we had never played a club. I'd never played a club before. I'd never played in front of people um, drinking before. Oh, wow. Ever. Really? I've hardly played in front of like a, a standing crowd. So it was, it was unnerving, but then we realized uh, two shows in, it was in Toronto at, at a show that everybody in the industry was at uh, opening for Tennille. It's just like, wow, people are exactly the same everywhere. I know what I'm doing. I, 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 I'm, I belong here. This is, this is country music. And, and so that feeling, that rush of, of being able to do it over and over again in all different provinces and different crowds is just Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to come back and, and tour um, so many of these places that we toured so many times, but not for yeah. these people. And it's it's going to be amazing. So let's uh, let's all make sure that COVID goes away and uh, we can we can have fun again. Thank you once again so much for listening. And thank you to Tim for stopping by and sharing his story. Be sure to check out Tim and the Glory Boys' new single, Bloodlines, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to visit our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes, and you can also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. 
You can also, of course, find us on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me, and give us a follow there as well. Thank you so much once again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me.